Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time podcast presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We're recording this on Thursday, February 2nd. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, the return of the Premier League after a week off from the FA Cup for Match Week 22 and our united friends, Newcastle and Manchester, our Carabao Cup finalists and what's at stake. But first, the transfer window, what it means, what's happened, and the fallout from the spending of Chelsea. Is the Premier League the Super League in disguise? Disguise, disguise. But first, a little housekeeping. Please rate and review the show. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. It means everything. The show has been on a growing term, and I thank everyone. Uh, please go to Laurent Cortines on YouTube, and you'll find uh, transcripts of the show and replays of the show. So please hit like, hit subscribe. Please rate and review the show. It means everything to me, and I really, really appreciate it. But let's jump right in to the show, the transfer window. What happened? What is going on with the rest of the world? So as you know, we covered a little bit of the transfer window uh, at the end of, at the beginning of last week's show, just going through all the comings and goings. We had Enzo Fernandez, young star of the World Cup, come from Porto or come from Portugal to Chelsea. Chelsea getting Murdoch, Chelsea signing players left and right to the point that Chelsea spent more money in this window than all five European teams combined. Um, Nottingham Forest did deals in the last minute, bringing Kaylor Navas, a three-time European Cup champion from uh, from PSG on loan, to Nottingham Forest. So what we're seeing is this wealth transfer, this power of the Premier League going from top to bottom. Um, just an amazing display of money, power, and the power of a league over the power of teams. Uh, I'm going to go through a little history lesson here. Why did this happen? So if you guys don't know this, England was the first league in the world. The English league was based on, you know, people don't know this, based on the baseball league to set schedules. And I believe it's 1883 is the first league, whatever it is. And it was set up by the FA in England, and it was... Until 1992, it was Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, II, Division Four. It was just called the First Division. And as the television money starts to grow, and you, for American fans, the similarity is um, as Sports Center starts to go and regional sports networks, and yes, start to happen. Those opportunities aren't there in England. And the top six teams in England, the same ones you've been talking about, Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, they are gaming and they tell the TV operators in England, hey, we're going to break away uh, because we want our own TV deals. There's money to be made because they find out in an open bidding between ITV and BBC and Sky and Rupert Murdoch is involved for, for our friends from Fox Sports, Fox Sports and Sky helps these teams break away and you have the foundation of the Premier League in 1992. There's many books about this. I've really summed it up and whatever. But that is a seminal moment. Uh, also, the English teams needed money to pay for the Taylor Report, which is the government report after 
the Hillsborough disaster on, on how they need to redo their stadium. So the Hillsborough disaster, Liverpool fans and Manny, actually does save football. Uh, don't tell Liverpool fans that their deaths were not in vain. Um, but it does force the owners of teams to upgrade their stadiums, and there's a massive building boom to be compliant. There's the Premier League. There's the money coming in. And why am I saying all this? It sets up the framework for the Premier League to grow over Spain, Italy, and Germany. And these last 35 years or 40 years, 1992, I don't even know. I can't even do the math. 40 years, 30 years, 40, 40 years, um, the English Football League and England's history of being a much more um, business-oriented place has set itself up by not focusing on its teams, by the compromises made in forming the Premier League where international rights were shared equally, where uh, place finish shared money. They had an egalitarian setup for the 22 teams in the Premier League with a rule to go for the 24 with a rule to go down to 20 uh, to share income and market the league as a whole. One thing, having worked with the Premier League at Tops is you cannot do anything without consensus from all the teams, all the teams. You need to either have consensus or 75% of the teams. That's why they talk about the other 14 and the big six. They can't break the other teams. They need each other. So there's this push-pull that happens with the Premier League, and it has pushed it to have a level of revenue and money that we just saw. Uh, Bowley spending over half a billion pounds on players. Um, Italy and Spain complaining uh, for their own problems. Italy's problem is they have not looked at their own league for decades. Their stadiums are falling apart. Attendance is down. And the clubs individually negotiate and just look to England to see how they can grow around the world, but forget their domestic problems. So they're losing money internally. They're losing money on uh, making it a good TV product to look at on TV because the stadiums are half empty and they've given away to the ultras. In Spain, they squandered having Ronaldo and Messi for 10 years because Barcelona and Real Madrid couldn't get out of their own way. They did not have a system in place to share the wealth among the rest of the teams. So they have a league that's a duopoly. They can't get out of that. They're not sharing money enough. Sure, it's great for Real and Barca, but they were drunk with money. Barca was just $1.2 billion in debt. Uh, Real Madrid effectively got a bailout in 2008 from uh, the government. So that duopoly, they're not beholden to shareholders. They're not run as businesses. Whereas the Premier League, as a group, as a collective, with good leadership under Scudamore, lifted itself up to the point now that Nottingham Forest has more money than a top team in Spain. Nottingham Forest can outbid any team in France. All the teams in the Premier League are in the top 20 of the Money League by Forbes, which is this sort of soft power list. It's not quite accurate. That gives you a list of the most valuable teams in the world. By the way, the most valuable sports teams, you want to know what the strongest league is? It's the NFL. It's locked in. The worst, the least valuable NFL team is worth more than any European team you can think of, aside from United, Real, and 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 Barca. And on the other side of that, you have Bayern. I want to talk about Germany. 
Germany just doesn't look past its own fans because they have the 51% rule where no owner can own more than 50. The fans own 51% of the team no matter what, or they have a vote at 51%. So it's very fan-focused, and they can't, they can't leave the fans out of any business practices. So here you have these leagues that have caused problems, and the Premier League has expanded internationally by pushing its league over teams, league over stars. It's very much a propaganda thing. It was not true that the Premier League was the best league for many, many years. But the Premier League kept saying, we're the Premier League. Buy into the Premier League. We have the story. We have the narrative. It was never Liverpool versus United. It was who in the Premier League can topple United? Who, we know about Newcastle. We know about uh, Crystal Palace. We know about Spurs. We know about all these teams and we know about all these characters because it was packaged that way. So if you think about um, a good example would be NFL Films and thinking about John Facenda and thinking about the, that music, that burp, burp. That was all part of growing the NFL and giving that sports package to TV providers so that you could grow the NFL when the games weren't on. The Premier League did the same thing. Premier League Productions is fantastic. They made a story about every single team, about every single battle, about every single story that perpetuates and perpetuates and perpetuates so that now as we move to the, our friends in the Carabao Cup, we can talk about United and Newcastle renewing a battle from 1995 because we learned about it through the league. So um, both the Uniteds make it to the Carabao Cup final. Um, it has been a historic step for nouveau riche teams and new managers to emphasize the Carabao Cup. Um, Mourinho won it in his first season with Chelsea as a stepping stone. Pep won it every year. City has made it a priority uh, to win the Carabao Cup. And now United and Newcastle both have a chance to win something. Um, this is a big step for Ten Hag. This is a big step for Newcastle. Uh, I think, you know, for me, this is going to be about whether this is a game that's going to be about whether the talent of United can match the passion of the Newcastle fans. For Newcastle, this will be a chance at their first trophy since 1955 and their first final since 1999 against the trouble way to being United. So this was a moment for, for, for Newcastle fans who remember 99. They had Shearer. They had just gotten him. It was a final under Ruud Hullet, and they thought that they were right there. They had Roberts. Bobby Robinson would come in after that, and they would make, uh, in the mid-2000s, they would make the Champions League. And Newcastle were there with the other teams as a big club. And it's only after Mike Ashley buys the team that they decline and have two relegation fights and are sort of this sputtering team. But until up through the mid-2000s, Newcastle were there. They were the – they were your – um your not your Brighton more than that. They were sort of your Everton. Your They were in that class of team, and that's what people always talk about. And that's why I think this Carabao Cup final is just going to be so, so massive for um, – 
for the Newcastle fans. I think that this game, while it's going to be in a couple weeks, is going to be um, a fight. I think that the defense of Newcastle, they don't give up goals. They don't give up goals at all. So they can't. And United is has been good, has been strong, but I don't think that their defense is as good as their attack. And I think that matched up with Newcastle and Eddie Howe having time and guys getting back together, I think there'll be a turnover that Newcastle enforce. I recommend everyone go on TIFO uh, IRL on YouTube and watch the um, the thing by JJ Bull around why Newcastle are good, why they have the best defense in the league. Uh, it's real. It's it's Nick Pope, although he won't be in this game. Um, and they won't give United anything. And it's going to take a, a level of effort and skill from United to break down uh, a stout Newcastle um, that I just can't see them. Because I United, when they face big challenges, they've been seen wanting. They're not quite there yet. They're not quite able to break a very tough defense down. And I think that Newcastle uh, will... Uh, prevail. But I really want to talk more about the feelings of this. This is, you know, the reason why I let off with this after the Super League thing is football is about feelings. We've talked about Wrexham and what it means. And for Newcastle, this is about a resurrection, uh, a phoenix rising from the flames. This is about the passion of fans lifting their team, going to Wembley. Newcastle is very far in the, in the, geography of England. They have their own name. They're called Geordies because of their accent. And it's way in the northwest, northeast of England. It's quite far from anywhere. So they have their own unique feeling and they bring a a certain chip on their shoulder and a certain pride about being from Newcastle because it's the only city really nearby. Um, Sunderland's there, but it's not, Sunderland's not really its own city. Newcastle is the city of the northeast. And it's almost on the Scottish border. It's way the fuck out there. Well, relative to the Scottish border compared to like, you know, Manchester or something like that. And they bring a pride and a level of love of team that is beyond, is more in in line with Wrexham than your Chelsea supporters, your Arsenal supporters who are cosmopolitan and city dwellers and have all the international stuff. Newcastle is the town team. That's why they're called the Toon Army because Toon is how Jordy say town. So the toon, uh, it, it literally comes from that. So it, it sounds weird, but that's what they are. So uh, I'm pulling for Newcastle in that one. And I think that that's where I would want to go. That's who I would want to play for. That's who I would want to pull for. Uh, but we go into the league. Wow. Premier League's back after two weeks. And we start the week off with an amazing London Derby that uh, is involved with all that um, transfer stuff. There we go. Chelsea, a brand new team, essentially rebuilt on the fly. Jao Felix, um, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Mikhail Modric, just tons of dudes just now in here. They're at home at Stanford Bridge, and here they go. They've got to play Fulham, a well-drilled, tough team. Didn't do anything in the transfer window. You know, Fulham are just ready to go as they are. Um, let's just break that that game down a little bit, have a look at where things are for them. Just going to go look at the old who scored, uh, my favorite uh, sort of quick site, just to give you a sense of, of what's going on there. And um, 
yeah, the teams come with just so much change unknown what's going to happen. We have, you know, a little bit more transfer stuff. They've lost Jorginho. Jorginho has moved on to Arsenal. An amazing turn of events. Uh, and we'll get to all the individual changes. I got swept up in the Super League stuff around the transfer window. Forgot to talk about individual players who've moved on. Jorginho is is now an Arsenal player. Uh, <laughs> but that means that Fernandez will be in the midfield with Mount and Kovacic likely. Uh, Ziyech almost transferred to PSG, and they got the paperwork wrong. He went to Paris and was stuck there and now had to come back to London. So I doubt Ziyech will play, but there's still the list of missing players for uh, Chelsea is this. Broja, Pulisic, Kante, Sterling, Zakaria, Mendy, Fofana, Jao Felix on a red, uh, Reese James and Ben Chilwell, both doubtful getting there. And then for Fulham, they've got their whole gang, Pereira, Mitrovic, Villian, Cordova Reed, Paulinha, Reed, what a group, Reem, Tete, Robinson was rumored to go to City, but never did. Um, this is a game that with all the spending and all the activity with Chelsea, Chelsea has to win this game at home. It is not an option for them. They must win this game. Um, this is about as big a game as Chelsea has had probably since Abramovich came in. I mean, I'm not even being funny. I think the way their form has been with all they've done, they have to get a result. This is not okay to draw. You've got to get a result, Grand Potter. I love you. You're fantastic. But can you reach your players? You know, um, when you think about the players on this team and the levels that they are, when they walk in the dressing room at Chelsea and Stanford Bridge, do they get the sense that they're expecting to see a Champions League level manager? Like, should it be Tuchel? Should it be Ancelotti? Should it be Pep? Should it be Klopp? And then you walk in and it's Graham from Sully Hull. So this is where the power of Graham Potter has really got to be strong. He's got to have a strong personality and explain to the players, hey, I may not have the pedigree that you do, but I'm going to help you be better, even though I've not been in the World Cup final the way Fernandez has been. So an amazing game, an amazing um, Enzo Fernandez will probably play and start, especially as Jorginho's left. So amazing stuff. Um, there have been – actually, I have to be – I have to clear that up. Uh, Fulham did bring in Cedric Suarez from Arsenal. He wasn't playing much. He was a backup uh, fullback. Uh, probably won't play, but it gets cover for the team. And Lukic moves on from Torino to Fulham. I'm looking forward to this game. It's tomorrow, Friday. Love it. Love it. We also have um, – excuse me. I have a little bit of a cold, so bear with me as I sniffle my way through this. But our friend Mr. Dyche – uh, is has arrived <laughs> at Everton um, to face uh, just you know just Arsenal, no big deal. It should be fine. <laughs> so Sean Dyche comes in. They don't get any deals over the line. He's without um, um, his winger. Uh, what's his name? Who went to Newcastle? I should have mentioned it. Anthony. Uh, I can't remember his name. I don't know why my, I'm blanking on it. Anyway, they've lost their. <laughs> Their winger, I'll find it in a second as I work through it. Um, 
And it's going to be a tough game for Dreisch. He hasn't had much time with the team. He has been saying the right things somewhat. <laughs> uh, you know, Dice is a very, is a fascinating character. He has that gravelly voice. You feel like he's going to move the team forward um, almost always. But, um, oh God, I don't, I'm so embarrassed. I can't remember the guy's name. But he's moved on from Everton. He's now part of, of uh, Newcastle. But yeah, I see this game as, listen, it's at the Emirates. Dyche has got his work cut out for him. I think I know this. You know this. We all kind of know as good as a dude uh, as 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 Frank was and is uh, Frank Lampard. He's not a good defensive coach. And when teams leave, when 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 he leaves teams, especially with Chelsea, um, we found out very quickly that. Um, he can't defend, and Tuchel turned his team around uh, and and got it going in the right direction right away. I have the name Anthony Gordon. Thank fucking Christ. He'll probably jump in for Almiron, honestly, because Almiron's magic gold dust has disappeared. So maybe uh, Anthony Gordon will take on for Almiron. He's the guy that I always thought had the weakest link within the team. But Dyche will take over. He will assess the team. He'll obviously know Tarkovsky. He'll obviously know some of the players who came over uh, that he already had with him. Tarkovsky, he knows. Um, Cody, he'll feel good with Calvert-Lewin. Iwobi, I'm curious about what he'll do with Iwobi. He'll try and play Michael Keane, who's been hurt, thank God, because he stinks. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. This will be Dyche's first game. It is at home. So you'd like their chances if they get a reaction from Everton against Arsenal. This would be an amazing, amazing, amazing result. So come on, you toffees. Please put the hurt on the dreaded Arsenal. Uh, it could happen. Listen, Everton got a draw against City, so anything is possible. Uh, but it's a crazy old game, and we're hoping that that happens because, good God, I need it. Speaking of my team, um, we go on and face Spurs uh, in a game that uh, will have no Antonio Conte because Antonio Conte has had his gallbladder removed. He uh, looks like he had something going on, had some surgery. He's going to miss the game. I'm assuming that um, Mason, what's it, the guy who cracked his head? My names are all off. I can't remember anything. I got dad brain. Uh, but the big thing was Cancelo moved on to Bayern Munich. Pep and Cancelo had a massive fallout right away. Incredible that Cancelo, who was seriously City's best player not a year ago, has now moved on. Spurs always cause problems for City. I would expect, I would expect Spurs to sit back um, and just soak it in and let Kane and Son run on. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe Spurs will be better without Conte. Maybe they'll play a little bit different. Maybe they'll they'll push on a little bit more. Uh, 
It's an interesting game. Always a tough game, especially at Stanford Bridge. Uh, always troublesome. But I like City's chances. We only played a couple weeks ago where Spurs went up two and City came back and smashed them. That was the replay. And this is just another game. Uh, I don't think Spurs has the mentality right now. They're a little fragile to think that they can um, beat City. It was only two weeks ago, January 19th, that uh, City defeated them pretty easily. But the first half was bad from City. And that's when Pep blasted the team and said they were terrible. And that was sort of the first moment where we were like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on with Pep? Uh, He said, you know, Arsenal are devils and they will destroy us if we play like this. So... And that was before the FA Cup game and whatever. So Holland will be looking for a big one. You know, we we know these two play, these two teams have incredible players. Uh, I'm just hoping City get a win because it can't lose anymore. No more losing. Not a chance to lose. Um, and so that's the big deal there. In other notable matches, and then we'll run through the rest of them. Also on Sunday is Nottingham Forest leads for our friend Chris. This is a big one. Uh, this is old school. This is Clough. This is Damned United. This is about as 70s blood and thunder as as football gets. If we love Wrexham and we love stories and we love Nottingham Forest and we love Newcastle, Forest versus Leeds is about, you know, you can close your eyes and almost see the red shirts and see the white shirts and see the blood and see the mud and see the 442 and see the yelling and Don Rivy and Clough and all the fighting that went on. Uh, and it's just one of these things where certain team names just invoke football history. And Forrest and Leeds do. Um, Leeds are without Rodrigo, who's out for months. He did his knee in. But Leeds do have Weston McKinney. So the United States of Leeds continues. We now have three major American players. The spine of the team is American. Now we've got McKinney, Adams, Aronson, and Marsh all playing for Leeds. Uh, They deserve it. I mean, McKinney had been at Juve all this time. Uh, Adams was fantastic during the World Cup and is the engine that makes Leeds go. And so um, those two teams will face each other. Nottingham Forest added their 28th and 29th players. Kaylor Navas, came onto the team. I just don't, I don't even know who's on leads anymore, but um, you know, I think they win with Nyonto and Somerville whenever he comes back and hopefully, you know, we see leads move up the table. These are the games though, that I feel for Marsh. If he cannot get something from Nottingham forest, what are you doing, buddy? Uh, what are you doing? You know, I love Steve Cooper. This is a probably evenly matched game. I'd say, I think forest, we still don't know what they are. Uh, there's still more players to to move into the team. There's still more to do. Uh, Steve Cooper is doing an incredible job. Uh, they're out of the relegation zone, and so are Leeds. But these guys will want points from these games. And I just keep staring at the two stars above the tricky tree uh, for their two European Cups. And I think about Leeds being the last champion of the old first division. This is two teams that lived in the wilderness together in the championship and now meet in the premier league for the first time since 1999. If you can't get up for this game, what are you doing? What are you doing? Really? You know, it's like, these are just such classic big time games and just put so much, um, 
put so much into football that we just have to always think about what they're doing, how they're doing, what their stories are, how they push things forward, and what they mean to football. So if you ever want to, and I recommend any of these things, is like for Leeds, watch Damned United, and then read the book because the movie is really entertaining. And then for Forrest, there is a documentary about Clough and about Forrest, well worth the price of admission. Just search for these things. Like Nottingham Forest documentary. I'll try and put them in the notes uh, of the show just so people can hunt them down. There's so much to learn, especially if you're an American fan or if you're a young English fan and you just kind of follow along with football without really learning about it. So much of these teams, their stories are so great and they're everywhere, right? Up and down the pyramid. Every team has stories. Um, I just think about Wrexham all the time now. Uh, that story has just taken off in the U.S. and we push forward with Leeds and Forest as our as our proxy for where where we where we think we are, where we think things are happening, where we think we're pushing things forward. Um, it's just an amazing feeling um, about where we are with these teams right now and 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 what they mean and all the rest of it. So rambly today. I'm, I'm on medication. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you people. I love you. I need you. So I do the show for you, even though I'm fucking knackered and out of it, but I'm going to kick on. So we're just going to go through the rest of the fixtures. You know, we talked about Fulham and Chelsea, talked about Arsenal. We talked about, um, we talked about Leeds. We talked about City, but let's just go through the rest of the fixtures. Also on Saturday, Aston Villa, Leicester City. It's a derby. It's not really a derby. It's a derby for Leicester. Aston Villa doesn't think about Leicester at all. Uh, they want to be where Leicester are. I think Unai Emery has definitely righted the ship there. Again, Leicester, no transfers. What are you doing? But one thing that did happen, the chairman of Leicester has written off all their debt and made it into equity. So that's cleared the books for Leicester. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it means something. Um, Wolves get Liverpool. Liverpool also inactive during the transfer window. They made all their moves, uh, but none of them are a midfielder. So I suppose they're waiting. Of course, Klopp had to complain about money because, you know, that's what he does. Uh, by the way, Liverpool fans, let me look at let me look in the camera and talk to you people. Stop with the FSG out, okay? Stop, okay? Stop. They bought FSG, bought Liverpool from Gillette and Hicks when they were dragging the team to the cellar, rescued your team, brought in Klopp, brought in the players, paid for the renovation of the stand, and because they haven't bought you two fucking midfielders in the last year, you were on for the quadruple, and because they didn't buy two midfielders, you want FSG out. Okay? Shut the fuck up. You people are crazy. Okay, sorry about that. But uh, Wolves play <laughs> Wolves play Liverpool um, away from home. Liverpool, there's no reason for me to think that Liverpool will beat Wolves. Sorry, this is a draw written all over it. In fact, I would bet on it if I could find the betting numbers. United, Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace without Zaha. I don't see United losing, especially the way they've been playing at home. I believe that United are unbeaten at home in 15 games. Brighton, mighty Brighton play. Bournemouth, Bournemouth made signed a striker, I believe. Uh, again, 
Big money, more money than half of Serie A. Uh, Brighton sat pat. They did hold on to Caicedo. Caicedo went nowhere. United do sign Sabitzer. So this is a midfielder to replace Erickson, who was did have his legs taken out by the Shagger um, in in the in the FA Cup. He is out in the Reading game, injured until May. No more Erickson. Goodbye. Sabitzer should be a good replacement. Then Brentford versus Southampton. Southampton made a lot of moves. Southampton grabbed a handful of players from lower divisions, so they're trying to not get sacked. Uh, Southampton really want to play for this. I do like Southampton. I think that they're a good little club. Um, I'd love to see them stick around, but, I mean, someone has to go down, and it feels like Southampton are the team to go down, but we'll see what they come up with. I do like the team. Uh, again, I still think they need a keeper. I don't like Bazuno at all. <laughs> I don't think he's a good keeper at all. But I just want to make sure that I've got their manager's name again because I keep forgetting it. And I want to make sure I know it. I'm just looking through it. Sorry, gang. I'm a little bit funky right now. Yes, my friend Nathan Jones. My friend Nathan Jones. As long as um, uh, James Ward-Prowse is on that team, he's going to fight as hard as he can to keep that team alive and well. Uh, keep that team alive and well. Um, other fixtures as we go through. <sighs> Newcastle versus West Ham. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. West Ham didn't make any moves either. I mean, you know, to the point with uh, with Moyes, he he can't handle the players he got in in the summer, let alone adding more players. They did sign Danny Ings, and he already got hurt. So I'm not sure what West Ham is supposed to do there. That's a, That was a little bit wacky. Uh, but, you know, I, at St. James's Park, West Ham will not score against Newcastle. I will guarantee you that. I don't know what the score will be. I don't know if Newcastle will win, but I will say this. West Ham will not score. Bet on Newcastle keeping a clean sheet in that one. Uh, but that's the week's games. Uh, that's where we are. Brentford, Southampton. Brentford playing well. I already talked about that. Battle of Bees, Brighton, Bournemouth, and then United versus Crystal Palace round out the week. I am sick. I am done. And I'm going to get myself out of here. If I missed anything, please let me know in the comments. If I had more interesting things I should have said, please let me know in the comments. Also, like and subscribe on the show and let me know that I missed things in the comments. Okay, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports channel and presented exclusively by the premier streaming network. We record on Mondays and Thursdays. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode and you can help me with my show. Thank you and good night.